0: In space, there are games of legend. Giants and behemoths of the past.
1: They have gone dark and cold to their signal faint to us.
0: All players were once forced to play alone. But
1: these games are not forgotten. They remain in our memory. And now we shall go back and make them live once more. This
2: is Retro
3: Welcome to RetroLave, a journey back in time through computer gaming's finest space sims. Each week we gather together a group of gaming veterans to roll back the years and relive the glory in search of what made these games special. This week's feature is Free Space 2 by Volition. I'm your host number one, Fozza Forrester. And I'm your host number two, Grant Woolcott. FreeSpace 2 is a 1999 space combat simulation game developed by Volition Incorporated. as a sequel to Descent Free Space The Great War. It was completed ahead of schedule in less than a year and released to great critical acclaim. The game was highlighted for its engrossing gameplay, excellent sound effects and in addition the inclusion of vocal talent such as Robert Lozier who you will have seen in lots of 80s TV shows as well as films such as An Officer and a Gentleman, Scarface and Independence Day. And also Ronnie Cox, who you will probably best know as the antagonistic Mars administrator Vilos Kohagen in the Arnie version of Total Recall. Several gaming sites hailed it as the definitive simulation of 1999. The game
4: continues in the story from Descent
3: Free Space, once again thrusting the player into the role of a
4: pilot fighting against the mysterious aliens, the Shivans. While defending the human race and its alien Vasudan allies, the player also gets involved in putting down a rebellion. The game features large number of fighters alongside gigantic capital ships in a battlefield
3: fraught with beams, shells and missiles and detailed star systems and nebulae. So, for those of you that haven't listened to RetroLade before, the format of the show is quite simple. We gather together a group of gamers to play through the game, and then we play simultaneously for a couple of hours and then report back. Some of us may be approaching the game wearing those rose-tinted spectacles of nostalgia, and some of us will be playing the game for the first time. We will discuss the storyline, the sound, the graphics, and most importantly, the gameplay. After we're done with that, we will try and relate the experience to a game that is close to all of our hearts, that of Elite Dangerous. Okay, well, without any further preamble, let's start up this Pentium 4-powered time machine and introduce the crew. Tonight, we're going to be joined by Ian Phillips.
5: Yeah, hello. Uh, I'm Ian Phillips on the forums. Commander
3: Rythdar, eventually when the game gets released. And joining in, we have Kirk Duell.
2: Hi, I'm Kirk. I'm known as Splints on the forums, and I'm a complete novice to Free Space
3: 2. Great stuff. And uh, regular, we have Rory Scarlet. Hello, yep, I'm
6: Rory, and Rory Scarlet on the forums.
3: And also we have Ben Moss Woodward.
7: Hey there, it's Ben here, and I'm Edelweiss on the forums.
3: And finally, another regular, we have the one for Mr. Colin Ford. Hello, my name is Colin Ford.
1: I am Phoenix Defire on the forums.
3: Okay, well, I should also mention that this is part one of a two-part show for FreeSpace 2. Tonight, we're covering the single-player campaign, and in part two, in the next episode of RetroLave, we will be covering the multiplayer version. Okay, well, I was going to ask the crew whether or not anybody else has actually played this game before tonight, but it seems that I'm the only person that's going to be going into this game wearing the rose-tinted spectacles of nostalgia. Having played this one through, the, the storyline, from what I remember, and you know, take this with a pinch of salt, we're going back to 1999, the storyline is exceptionally immersive. And I know you're a big fan of TIE Fighter, but compared to when I played TIE Fighter I would still have this, I know it came out a little bit later, but in terms of gameplay, I would still rank Free Space 2 up there as the you know the best combat simulation game I played of that sort of era. So it be interesting to see if it still holds up the test of time.
6: Well I remember Free Space being one of the better games we've played. I can only see Free Space 2 being even better.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And the thing that I was surprised when I was doing the research for this episode of RetroLave, and by research I mean reading Wikipedia, um, <laughs> is that the the Free Space Two actually came out ridiculously fast. It came out basically a year mm. after Conflict Free Space. So Conflict Free Space came out in nineteen ninety eight. They also managed to rush out a expansion pack in nineteen ninety eight for Free Space, and then in ninety nine. They came out with Free Space 2, which, I mean, normally you'd think, well, it's just going you know, to be more of the same, they probably haven't done much with the engine, you know, it's probably going to get panned, but actually it received a real sort of high critical acclaim for things like the storyline, the the missions, and, you know, the retweaking of the sound effects and the and the voice acting, so it's surprising that what can be done in just, you know, the space of 12 months. Frontier development, take note. <laughs> okay, well, if I'm the only person that's played it, I guess there's no further ado, let's go straight in and boot up the game.
0: Thirty-two years have passed since the Great War. The Shivans vanished half a lifetime ago. And now, we live in the mausoleum of history. We inherit the legacy of ghosts who haunt these ruins. The Elders call us the Lost Generation. remember stories of a glorious civilization. Of cities with spires that reached the sun. Of a blue planet with vast seas. Of people with myths of humanity everlasting. of children who saw in the embers of dying stars the destiny of their race. And they hurled themselves into the void of space with no fear. They say our people have no present. Filled with horror. And a future they can only dream of I actually
3: thought that was probably one of the better introductions that we've seen on RetroLave. Yeah, you know, graphics aside and stuff, I actually thought that the you know the voice acting on it was very good. And the story it takes you through, so it picks up at the end of the last game. It takes you through, you see the big a massive big battle. And it basically explains that part of that last battle, you cut down all ties with old Earth. So you've cut yourself off, all the jump gates are down in order to protect old Earth from the Sheevans. So basically you are the cut-off generation... So you can't get back to Old Earth. You've formed an alliance with the Fasudans, and you're basically sort of guarding, waiting for the Shivan's to return. And I'd say I think actually one of the better introductions that we've actually seen on Retrolave, I think it tied together quite nicely. The music in it is very Wing Commander-esque. It is, which is a it's a good thing. It was very atmospheric, very well done. Okay, so here we are on the flight deck in something that was very common, we've seen it quite a few times in RetroLave, that you boot up and you've got uh, the flight deck with various interactive doorways that you can select. So what have we got? We've got the um, tech room to look at the various ships and weaponry, you've got your briefing room and you've got the barracks and stuff to manage your free space pilots. And the options screen, all of which are very nicely rendered and very interactive. And you see the spaceships flying around the windows outside the, the ship. Um, has everybody got their pilots ready? Everybody got their controls ready?
4: I think so. Yes, uh, uh, yep, uh, I have. to ramble? Yep, I'm good. It's a sort of standard space game menu, though, isn't it? What well, with
1: each little section that you know, with a person turning around and saying, "Yeah, this is my area of responsibility."
4: But this is very
6: slow way of navigating, isn't it? You have to hover over the things to actually know what they are.
3: All right, let me know when everybody's got to uh, uh, the mission where it says, "Welcome to." Uh, the activate the aquitaine, aquitaine. aquitaine. Yeah.
8: that's the one cool okay
3: everybody ready to commit mm-hmm. yep
8: there yep. we go ah that's it with recent victories on the civil war front the gtva security council has authorized the deployment of two damos class corvettes into the nebular theater of operations the lysander and the actium crossed the subspace portal in gamma draconis at 2335 hours and joined up with the aquitaine's battle group On their last sortie, Epsilon and Iota wings encountered two Shivan warships, a Rakshasa class cruiser designated the Iblis, and a Lilith class cruiser designated the Azurus. Admiral Petrok has instructed our Corvettes to hunt down and destroy these vessels. The 107th will provide fighter cover. Alpha Wing, your mission is to escort the Lysander and the Actium as they carry out this assault. Your first priority will be to eliminate all hostile fighters and bombers. Only then will you assist the Corvettes with their strike against the Shivan warships. If we lose either Corvette, you will abort the mission and withdraw from the field immediately. Whoa, there you go, wow. bang.
3: What I will say is having getting used to uh, Elite Dangerous's joystick and right? setting this one up to, uh, to mirror it, I'm now getting Ouch. quite a sort of space sick.
6: <laughs> yeah, it is bonkers. To Elite Dangerous, it's totally weird. Now I'm being shot up, something terrible. Tell
3: you what, you do get a nice bit of lens flare from uh, the sun. Fly towards the sun.
6: I think I'm being shot by my wingman. (laughs) There's nothing new there, is there, in games? Well, usually I'm shooting the wingman. Yeah, I think I've literally been killed by Gemini 2. Oh he's launching missiles at me. Oh
4: yeah, bastard, come here.
1: Bang. Oh good. The old standard ram the buggers type um, approach.
4: Find <laughs> on my my little technique during the multiplayer.
6: <laughs> oh is that going to be what it is? Ramming speed captain.
2: <laughs>
6: <laughs> is your ammo pretty much unlimited? Well, oh, this is... No bad. it's not.
7: You've oh. got your ammo down at the bottom right I think it is. But you can ask for a re- rearm, so press C and then 5.
5: If you need to rearm, pilot, now would be a good time.
3: And the nice thing about the rearm in this is that you actually physically call in a support ship and you have to slow down enough and stop basically so the support ship can dock with you. And it takes probably about sort 5-10 of seconds for them to rearm you and right. then you're off again.
4: All right.
2: Which
3: is uh, the first time I've seen that in a space uh, in-game. It works really well.
8: Rearming complete, sir. You're good to go.
3: I've got to the stage in the mission now where you've got the two big capital ships sort of facing off against each other and this is one of the key things about the free space games is just the size and scale of the the capital vessels that you've got uh, and how much they sort of dwarf the fighters that you fly in. It's quite impressive even now I think that still holds up quite well.
1: I must admit, I do like the design of that ship, the
3: uh, the alien ship. Whoa! The Fasudan ones. Yeah. yeah. you just seen the beam laser come out. Oh, that was, that was oh, a yeah. really nice effect.
8: That was gone right Yeah.
3: Through.
8: Confirmed. It's the Azurus. Firing all guns.
5: Damn it, Actium. Watch their friendly fire.
8: Or the beam and you will get hit,
3: pilot. And this is the thing, in the first game, if you remember, the only people to have those large beam cannons were the Shevans. So in the 30 years since the first game, we've actually developed that technology ourselves. Huh. So when we're back to base and you, basically, you get a debriefing telling you about what happened on the mission, and a little bit about the background and what's going on in the general war, so...
8: The Shivan warship we encountered has been designated the SD Ravana. Allied forces have been deployed to engage this vessel. Given the number of Shivan fighters our wings have encountered, we knew an enemy destroyer had to be lurking somewhere within the nebula. Our impaired visibility and diminished sensor range made locating their base of operations difficult. Command hoped our offensive against the two Sheevan cruisers would lure the destroyer from its hiding place. Under these circumstances, there was nothing you could have done to save the corvettes from destruction. Admiral Petrarch has informed me that the 107th may be called in to reinforce the vessels attacking the Ravana. Suit up for your next sortie, pilot.
3: It also gives you, which is also quite nice for the game, uh, recommendations. If you look down to the bottom left-hand side of the screen, if you've uh, failed the mission, it will actually give you some hints and tips as to what you could have done differently to uh, to be more successful the next time round.
1: <laughs> oh god, I'm just looking over the, my statistics, my hit percentage is 14%. It's going to be, pretty
5: pretty be higher than, than mine. With the technology they
8: had 30 years ago, it's a miracle we won the Great War. No shields, no flak guns, no beam cannons.
3: Okay, so we're back. Right, guys, what about overall impressions? Let's start with Ben. Overall
7: impressions, yay, loved it, give me more. No, that was really a lot of fun. I loved that. I've been catching up a little bit with Free Space 1 to get myself in the mood for Free Space 2. And it's take the fun of Free Space One, which was a lot of fun in its own right. It does the top to 11, I think. It's really good fun. I really enjoyed it. I loved the capital ships that just came in. Um, I loved the almost like the horror aspect when you're flying around in the nebula and you can't see anything, but you know there's things out there. I, it's really atmospheric. I really enjoyed a lot of the game, and I will definitely be playing it on whether I'm on rearguard action or not.
5: Nah, no, I didn't like the nebula. They were much too bright for me. I mean, it's just much, much too bright. It obscured the ships. You couldn't see them at some point. And really, lightning in space, atmospheric flybys. I've heard that in the Alpha as well. I'm hoping, really hoping, you can turn off the atmospheric flyby, yeah. Colin?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going to agree with Ben on this one. It It's it good fun. You certainly felt as if you were a little cog in a big mi- military machine. And very atmospheric. Flight model was good. It does feel like it, it deserves its place. It's, it does live up to its reputation.
2: And Kirk? Um, well, I've got no memories of the game, so I, I didn't play it. Um, I don't think I'd play it. In the future. I think it's very well done. I thought the graphics were good considering when it was made. Um I think playing it on a larger monitor than it was designed for probably showed up the lack of detail. The sounds were pretty good. The overall gameplay I think if you liked a shoot 'em up, it was very well done. And it was good fun to play. A little bit too much strafing and not enough accurate shooting, but then maybe that's me.
3: Just remind us, what were you controlling it with? Uh, A mouse and keyboard. Interesting. Just because
2: I completely forgot to plug anything else in.
3: Uh, Rory, how did you find it?
6: Yeah, really enjoyed that one. Beautiful, smooth flight model. Really good 3D graphics, I thought. The only thing I would complain about is the radar was two-dimensional. There was no sense of depth in the radar at all you could use it you know if it was in the center of your radar it was in front of you um so it worked as such so was, i suppose it's a good way of simplifying something because sometimes i uh, was an example the radar was so complicated you couldn't really use it but yeah really <laughs> really loved that game lovely space combat simulator
3: and grant now that you're back with us grant what did you reckon yeah it was fun
4: um quite arcadey um, easy to get into and a nice sort of storytelling element through the various communications between ship to ship and the little cut scenes in the mission. And yeah, it was quite a light and fun game with quite difficult combat when you actually get into it, but yeah, fun.
3: Yeah, certainly. I mean, I'm obviously the only person on tonight that's actually played the game before. And considering this game is from 15 years ago, my rose-tinted spectacles I thought might be in for a little bit of a... Oh, a little bit of damage tonight, but actually, I think that game holds up very, very well. He, you know, the core elements of it, you know, it is an arcade shooter. It is supposed to be sort of a linear progression through missions. You know, it's not like some of the other games that we've played where they've been slightly bit more slightly more open-worldy, like your Star Lancer or your Freelancer-type games. Um, But I think on this aspect, it actually works quite well, mainly because they've wrapped it around a very, very tight storyline. It's nice that it follows on so closely to the Free Space 1 story. It literally just allows you to sort of pick up. You know, Everything's very, very familiar. The controls are very familiar. And all in all, I think, a really, truly immersive game. So let's break it down a little bit. Um, Graphics, I mean, obviously 15 years on, yeah, they're showing a little bit of wear and tear. But on the whole, I think actually, apart from the fact that As Kirk says, you know, you're playing on a larger monitor, I think the graphics actually hold up remarkably well. Once you get into space, the actual sort of head-up display uh, and the ship designs, I think, actually work really, really nicely. Um, Ben, what do you reckon?
7: I'd completely agree with you there. I think the heads-up display, especially because it's all vector graphics for the lines and things like that, That all scales perfectly, even on a fairly large monitor, I thought. Um, Obviously, the textures can be a little higher, but I thought it looks very much like a modern game, if you ask me. I mean, I think the graphics hold up very, very well. I thought that the user interface has been incredibly well thought out. Just the tiny little details, like the distance that the triangles are, show you how much of a turn you need to do to get into your target and things like that. That That's a lovely little feature that I'd like to see carried into Elite Dangerous.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I must admit, the more that we played the game, I think we all discovered a little bit more features that were sort of hidden in the in the HUD that we hadn't actually realized were there. Things like when you targeted an enemy ship, there was little circles that would appear in the reticle to tell you how many of your allied ships are actually also targeting and going after the same ship as you. I thought that was a really nice little feature, and I mean, in terms of the actual design of the game, I think you know, things like the yeah you know, the actual design of the crafts, the Terrans, the Vasudans, and the Sheevans—they all had very sort of clear aesthetics, um, which I thought was really well designed. I thought the look of it was really spot on. Rory, what do you reckon?
6: No, I, I totally agree with what Ben just said there. I mean, the the user interface itself when you're in the ship was very intelligent I didn't need to spend any time actually getting used to what was going on in there I could instantly tell what was going on and in the control in the config screen you could completely customize the colors of every single piece I mean there was there was quite a lot going on with the HUD but you had all the different um, numbers and boxes but you could change the colors of every single one of those and not just the whole hudders one piece which i really liked and it was just easy to follow easy to read and it just wasn't hard work at all the actual graphics i thought were fantastic they were really smooth the detail on the ships i thought was really good bearing in mind it's 15 years old and the explosions were good really enjoyed it and the lens flare on the sun as the sun comes into full view and you get a white out on the screen i thought that was a lovely little piece there so yeah loved it loved the
4: graphics
3: Yeah, and there was certainly a wonderful moment when we were all playing and we saw the the large capital ship Beam Laser for the first time. And collectively, everybody just went, woo as the uh, Beam Laser ripped through another capital ship. To still have that effect 15 years on, I think, is a real testament to what they've achieved in this game. Grant. What do you reckon about the graphics?
4: They were showing their age a little bit. They were a little bit blocky in places. You did see the sort of rough edges, the ships. I didn't find them to be... They were definitely uniquely designed so you could tell that they were from a different race of uh, your enemies. But none of them were particularly nice. They were all quite roughly designed. I think, you know, you're getting used to these unique designs being quite smooth and, and, and pristine and just... Uh, you know, look alien. And in that game, you know, well, I can't remember, I think it was one of the, the species, it looked like just rocks. Their ships were kind of, you know, from a distance, look looked like asteroid texture on the outside of these ships. And it's not until you get in really, really close that you can then appreciate the impressive scale that they'd got, which is definitely a plus. But I think the graphics could have been a little bit better. But in comparison to the other games that we've played beforehand, the likes of TIE Fighter and its original build, oh, leaps and bounds better. But the smoothness of the game with the graphics is probably key, and that's probably a trade-off that they decided on actively to make sure that it played smooth. Therefore, the graphic texture had to be less detailed. And I did try putting the detail up high as well to see, but it's pretty much the same.
3: To be honest, I don't actually agree with that at all. I thought the ship designs were really, really uh, unique to all of them. Obviously, the Sheevens were very sort of angular, very spiky, almost like sort of dagger-esque. You had the pseudans that almost looked sort of like hammerhead sharks, very sort of organic, and then you had the terrans, which sort of, you know, kind of like in frontier where you've got the uh, the independence. It was more sort of a functional, utilitarian sort of design. And I thought actually they they all worked quite well against each other, but. Uh, interesting, different opinions there.
4: I thought they kind of some of the ships looked like they had been put together as part of a Blue Peter project.
3: That's a bit harsh, mate. You're calling <laughs> a game that's 15 years old. I don't think you can really sort of criticise them for that.
4: Pretty sure I saw sticky black plastic.
3: Toilet rolls! Whatever, let's just move on. Maybe leave that there and move on to sound and music. What about the actual sort of audio aspect of the game? Do you think it lent any extra atmosphere to the game? What about the sound effects? Were they immersive? Let's go with... Kirk, you start us off, mate.
2: Uh, The sound was good. Um, I didn't listen to the music. I always turn the music off in-game. So I just find that a distraction from what's going on around me. The the sound effects were pretty good for the time. Uh, I thought that the, the large laser hits had quite a thump to it Um, but
6: yeah it was okay
2: can't really say much more than that
3: okay rory um yeah
6: the sounds were very passable i thought Uh, again i didn't really have much of a thought about them so they were obviously good enough they had a nice sort of impact when you hit something and the explosions made a nice explosion noise the afterburner effects i really enjoyed whether you press tab for the afterburner and the hud would shake and you'd get a raw engine sound and I thought that was very nice. So, um, yeah, the sounds were passable to the point where I didn't notice they were rubbish. You notice them when they're crap, and they weren't crap. So, yeah, it's good.
3: OK, Colin, what about your recollections? Do, do they go above the parapet? You know, do they climb above being better than crap?
6: The thing about
1: sound effects, in this case, it helped with the immersion. They were perfectly fine. You did feel that when you were firing a laser, it was a good, chunky laser sound, which is what you want. But apart from that,
3: perfectly acceptable. OK, well, I'm going to just sort of chime in here it's the music section and say that I think there's elements to the sound effects and the sound design that we're missing here and the fact that if you think about the comms chatter, for example, and the voice acting that goes throughout the game, a lot of the game is actually not done through cutscenes. it's all pretty much done through sort of in-mission events or through the, the radio chatter, the comms chatter uh, between yourself and your wingmen and back at control. Are you reading anything on sensors, Actium?
8: Negative, Lysander. If we don't find them, they'll find us. I don't expect we'll be disappointed. And I think that's done
3: really, really well. I think the voice acting in it is very, very strong. Obviously, we said it's got uh, a couple of stars that you'd recognize from movie and TV doing some of the voice acting work. And I think that comes across and helps with the immersion of the game. And also, I know most people turn the music off, but this is the first game where I've actually noticed that the music gives you a cue to what's going on in the battle. So... If you uh, are in a battle and you've done something good, or you've done something where the mission is coming to a positive conclusion, you get just a nice little couple of bars of fanfare sound. which it just lets you know that it's going in your favour. And on the flip side to that, if you've got new enemies coming into the battle situation, it just changes up and speeds up the tempo and changes key, um, which without even looking, you know that there's enemies that have just appeared uh, on site. So I thought that worked really, really well, and yeah, you know, as you guys have already said, the, the sound for the lasers firing, the sound of you know lasers hitting your ship, missiles firing, all of that I thought was really, really nicely done. Ben, what's your thoughts?
7: I think I'm echoing what everyone else said. One thing I noticed was that the missiles also had their own unique sound effects as well. So it wasn't just a general sort of drop missile and it fires away. There were different ones, weren't there?
3: Yeah, absolutely. You could tell the difference between, say, a dumb fire set of missiles where you were just going sort of very quickly, pew, 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 pew. (laughs) Or the, uh, you know, the sort of the heavier sort of meteor seek and destroy missiles. Exactly. And again, just a little audio cues. You knew exactly what sort of missiles you were firing off. I think possibly one of the nicest effects was the the Hornet missiles where you fired, I think it was sort of five or or ten missiles missiles, at the same time. And the noise that that made, where they're all washing away from your ship, I thought was really, really nicely done as well. Grants, what's your opinion on the sound?
4: Well, yeah, I was just gonna say, that's one of the first games that the music catches your attention. It's very good, very military sounding, very much like sort of reminiscent of some of the Wing Commander soundtracks, but really, really good. Music, it doesn't detract from the gameplay at all. In fact, it just helps you feel the drama. Um, I absolutely loved it. So although I wasn't particularly keen on the graphics for my taste, but the music made up for that.
3: Okay, and on to the final section, and possibly the most important section of the debrief. The gameplay, the storyline. Was the game fun? Was the story interesting? Uh, what else would you like to see? I'll start us off by saying that I actually thought, considering I played this game 15 years ago, I still thought it caught you. I still thought it was sort of highly immersive. The overall feel of it compared to... I don't know, something like Wing Commander, was quite minimalistic. There wasn't a lot of sort of pomp and circumstance. There was briefing, mission, back to briefing, rinse and repeat. And most of the actual sort of storyline was developed through in-mission events or or comms chatter, which I thought that when you actually saw a large FMV section, it kind of made it a little bit more special. Whereas, I don't know if that makes sense, but in Wing Commander 3, say, you were hit with so many cutscenes, so many video sequences that you almost sort of got a little bit wowed out about them you know they would just sort of let you click through whereas the video sections in this game because there's so few of them you actually sit back and and take them in i thought the storyline was gripping full of intrigue lots of twists and i thought each mission gave you just enough plot to make you want to keep pushing you know that next mission button uh start us off with rory what were your thoughts on this
6: i really liked the briefing sections because they weren't uber long so you didn't get bored and the little video screen down below was just enough to give you a little taste of what you were looking forward to the little videos weren't actually informative but they were just a little decoration that were actually quite enjoyable to watch what I completely agree with you there about how lean the game is the example you gave there about Wing Commander 3 which was just every time Mark Hamill walked through a door you got a <laughs> blimmin' video, didn't you? And it took 10 seconds. Oh, it was awfully painful. Whereas this was nice and lean. The the, the videos you saw, you paid attention to because they were rare, so you actually enjoyed watching them. And the briefings were clear, concise, nice graphics there, weren't too long. So, yeah, I agree with you there. It was good.
5: Now, unlike Rory, I, I didn't like the briefings. I found them too long. Yeah, the information was... Uh, you needed the information, but... It, that just dragged on a little bit too much. The little screen with the videos inside that looked good. It's a fifteen-year-old game. It looks pretty good. Ben,
7: I'm going to agree with what everyone said about the storyline. I think that's great. It's lovely, feeling like you're a little grunt down in the trenches. One thing which I'd like to ask, though, is: Did anyone try changing the controls from the default on your joystick where you were yawing into the elite star where you roll? Yeah, I, I did. did. I tried that when I was doing the training missions, and I found it a lot harder to get through the training missions and to get to do things using the role that we have in Elite. And I was just wondering, I understand why Elite are doing that, and I think it's probably a good thing. but. I definitely think it makes the game harder to play as
2: well.
3: Yeah, I certainly didn't find that, mate. I found the exact opposite. Once I switched back to the Elite Dangerous control system, maybe it's just because I've been playing quite a lot of the alpha, but once I switched back to that, I actually found that Free Space 2 was wonderful to control. I thought it was absolutely awesome. That's how the game in my head should have been played from the get-go.
7: Okay, so, yeah, it could just be experience, and I've not played with rolling for ages, so everything's been your, hasn't it?
3: Yeah, I mean, who else said they changed the controls? That would be me. Colin, go for it then. Yeah, well, one of the things that I did like about the
1: Elite Dangerous thing was the fact that they'd cut down the yaw and basically forced you to pitch and roll. And when you actually get used to it, I've found that I can't actually play any of the older games with the old (laughs) yaw function anymore as it was. So on my old games, which is sort of iWar and uh, this one in particular, I've gone and swapped the axis on it, and I, I find it, for some reason, easier to play. I don't think I want to go back to the yaw thing again, because it does feel like very Wing Commander 3. Because if you remember rightly, Wing Commander 3, you had to press a button to roll. It yeah. didn't support the third axis of your joystick. Apart from that, the rest of the game, the, the engine was, was really good, really smooth. It was, it was just what you want. The alien fighters behaved very intelligently, and there were times where you were just watching your wingman just disappear and thinking, <laughs> ah, no... And the whole sense of scale was really impressive. It so deserves its reputation as the best military space shooter out there. I can hardly
2: see how it can be improved on. (laughs) High praise. Kirk, what's your thoughts? The whole thing was better than I thought it would be. As I'm not a big fan of serial missions, I'm a bit biased against these things, but certainly I'd much rather play this than any of the, the Wing Commanders. Even the amount of mission debriefings and things like that that came through, you could always skip them. You could always fast read through them and skip to the action if you wanted to. Yep, definitely. I miss the dropping out of something because you're not good enough and coming back tougher, though. And you can't do that in a serial mission, can you? You just have to put up with what they throw at you.
3: Yeah, pretty much. Although I think they balanced that quite nicely in this game. I don't think any of us came across it yet because we're still very much in the early missions. And believe it or not, they were actually more the sort of the training wheel missions. They certainly ramp up in terms of difficulty from what I can remember. They certainly ramp up the more you get into contact with the Sheevans. I mean, I think we all found out in the mission where we met the Sheevans for the first time that they were a completely different enemy compared to the ones that we'd been fighting in terms of the amount of maneuverability about their AI and their weaponry. So that ramps up quite a lot. But What this game does have, which is quite nice, is if at any point you fail any of your objectives in a mission, there's a setting afterwards that will give you recommendations. Click on that and it will tell you you where you went wrong in a mission and what sort of tactics you can use to complete that objective next time round or if you do a replay. From memory, I think it actually works quite well if you follow their advice. Okay then, so the final section, how does Free Space 2 relate to Elite Dangerous? Is there anything in Free Space 2 that we would like to see ported across at some point or included in the latest game in the franchise, Elite Dangerous? Who would like to start us off on this one?
1: I will if I can.
3: Yeah, go for it, Come on.
1: The one thing that I really was impressed with, as I have always, I think I've said in every single section, was the sense of scale. So when you actually come up to, in this case, a Corollius space station or a one of the massive structures that are supposed to be in Elite, you want to feel that these things are as big as those battleships are in this game. You know, you want to feel like you are basically flying a tiny little freighter into that
3: massive space station. Uh, Grant, take over.
4: Yes, well, actually, I'm going to raise something that I wouldn't like to see brought over, and although we've played the off, we've got an idea of the flight mechanics, the one criticism in the gameplay that was a little bit frustrating was that speed of turning. Even um, churning down your sensitivity in your controller, you still find that you, know, you were spinning your ship on a dime and then having no inertia to carry you backwards in a direction to give you that lovely feel. So I hope we don't see any of that in the Elite Games.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think, yeah, you are in danger sometimes if you have that sort of tight turning circle is that you literally just end up, especially in multiplayer games, you end up just literally jousting and going round and round and round in circles trying to chase each other's tail, which isn't great fun when it comes to multiplayer. Hopefully that won't be the case when we play this in the next episode. Rory. What's your thoughts anything you'd like to see taken across into elite dangerous anything you definitely don't want to see
6: um well the only thing that i think we can take across from free space 2 is the combat because that's effectively what free space 2 is just a combat simulator but i did like that you had all of the information in front of you on the hud and it was easy to read i know the the hud on elite dangerous is actually quite minimal isn't it there's not actually a lot of info going on i know we've only been in a sidewinder and the larger ships might have more info but there was a lot of info that was very easy to access on the HUD and I'd like to see a bit more info on in the cockpit and on the HUD in the larger ships, even for a Cobra which is a bit bigger than a Sidewinder But I did like the little bits where your wingmen talk to you you know, the little videos of the wingmen's head, I know it's a bit gimmicky but if we're interacting with NPCs at some point in Elite then it'd be nice just to have that, I quite liked it.
3: No, I absolutely agree with you mate, it's one of the things that I really do wish that Frontier Developments would incorporate Unfortunately, I can imagine they're sitting there thinking, well, you know, that's a lot of voice actors will have to get in, that's a lot of animations to be done. But I mean, I think we've seen in quite a few games, just that little sort of pop-up communication screen adds a lot of immersion to the actual game. I mean, we haven't even got into the area of shield management, engine management and weapon management, which we see quite a lot in Elite Dangerous, but becomes very, very pivotal the further you get into this game and the fact that you need to be able to increase your shields to hold off multiple waves of and attacks. Just thinking about the stuff I'd like to see ported across, I mean, I agree with you guys, the comms chatter I thought was a nice thing to take across. Uh, The size of the capital ships, agree. I want to be dwarfed in Elite Dangerous, I want to fly up to a Coriolos station and actually feel like such a tiny little spot in space. Other things I thought would be quite nice to take across, the massive beam lasers, if we can get some capital ships in Elite Dangerous firing those massive beam weapons, I think that makes a really nice little touch. And also the other one that we haven't touched on, and that's the Nebula that we saw in the last couple of missions. You know, that sort of all-blanketing, sort of sensor-dampening Nebula, which really made the game feel very, very claustrophobic and really sort of raised the intensity levels quite a lot. Colin?
1: Yeah, they might not actually want the comm channels back in Elite 4, because if you remember, the ones they did in... First Encounters weren't exactly um, good.
3: I never played First Encounters, I only played Frontier.
1: Ah, well, they experimented with this kind of thing. When you would dock, you would get a little video of what was supposed to be the station commander saying, welcome commander to such and such a station. The problem was that they didn't have any voice actors, it was obviously just the development staff, so it did sound like the entire galaxy was came from <laughs> Birmingham.
3: Oh, dear. Yeah, well, maybe not then. Maybe only do it if you actually have enough voice actors on staff to be able to do a decent job of it. Okay, well, let's wrap this up then. Let's go to the ratings. Ratings out of 10, and we will start with uh, Kirk. I thought it was pretty good, actually, so I'm going to give that a 7. 7 out of 10, good score. Rory? 7.5. Ooh... Ben.
7: I'm going to say that was actually really, really good and go with an
3: 8.5. 8.5. Colin?
1: Well, I'll definitely put this as a definite 8.5 then, because
4: this is better than TIE Fighter. I did feel it deserved its reputation.
3: And uh, Mr. Wolcott, what about you?
4: It definitely was, gameplay wise, better than TIE Fighter, and of course the TIE Fighter we had with the really, really, really poor sort of graphics. So I'd have to rate it higher than that. So I would probably give it an 8.
3: 8. And for me, I would have to say that, considering I went into this episode with my rose-tinted spectacles firmly on my face, I'm really chuffed. I'm going to have to give it a 9. It's just as good as I remember it when I was playing it all those years ago at university. And it's definitely one that I'm going to pick up and continue playing, because I never completed it 15 years ago, and maybe I'll be able to do that now.
5: I've never played any game like this apart from Elite, and that was a very long time ago. Now, this is a good game. I'm going to give it an 8. I'm definitely going to play Civil War. And I've got an X-52 Pro, so I'm going to map that to the Elite Dangerous settings and uh, try and fly it as you would an Elite thing. I'm going to carry on playing it. This is quite fun. I don't have the
3: alpha. I'm in the beta, so uh, I'm going to get a bit of practicing. So, okay, well, that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed the journey back in time. If you'd like to join the RetroLave team to play and then record, we gather on Monday nights at 8.30pm on Skype. Just add lave.radio to your Skype list and follow us on Facebook and Twitter for the latest updates. Until next time, it's game over.
5: Brother played it. He said it was brilliant. I don't know if that helps. <laughs> I tell you what, why don't you
6: call him up and um, and put him on the phone?
4: We don't do a phone, a friend. Why not?
3: <sighs> Sorry, someone just stepped on my dog.